Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Welcome to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. And we're in quarter number one, brought to you by our friends at New Trail Brewing Company. They brew their beer right here in central Pennsylvania and deliver fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. Your biggest dilemma, as always, is going to be which of their many options to select. That's why I always recommend the Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack, it's an absolute crowd pleaser, packed with four different Hoppy beers, sure to please everybody at your tailgate, campfire, or wherever you're gathering to enjoy your New Trail beer. All right, Dustin, it's another win to talk about. Penn State over Rutgers over the weekend with a big 55-10 win. A week ago, I began our show saying, I think this team is a pretty good team and much better than it was at the start of the season. Did you see anything this weekend to make you feel any differently? Yeah, I mean, not not really. I, I think, um, you know, it's it's a nice thing whenever things aren't going perfectly to plan, which I think was how it went against Maryland and it, how it went, especially early against Rutgers, and you're still able to win decisively. And I think the one thing, just the personality trait of, of this team is that, you know, the slow start, they just didn't let it linger for any longer than it needed to. Everybody in the stadium, you know, who was supporting Penn State would – Obviously, hope for a little quicker start, especially on offense, and and to be a little cleaner out of the gates. But it didn't go that way. Uh, it's something that we've talked about, you know, several times too. So, um, but th- once they kind of got the ship pointed in the right direction, they did what they had to do, and they took care of business. Going from down ten seven to winning this thing fifty five ten, they really squashed the bug that is Rutgers. And, and it was kind of interesting early on with the announcers talking about. Gee, the most points Rutgers have scored in this uh, rivalry as far as Big Ten teams is 10 points. And look, it's the first quarter. They already have 10 points. This one looks different, right, Dustin? (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, you kind of figure, uh, you know, who Rutgers is and who Penn State is eventually takes over. Um, but I know uh, I was talking to my colleague, Johnny McGonigal. We did a podcast on Thursday, and he had mentioned that the over-under for Rutgers scoring was set at 13 and a half. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I hate to say something's free money, but that seems like free money to me. And so now they score 10 points in the first you know, nine minutes or whatever it is, and you're thinking, okay, maybe that wasn't free money. But then – you know, I think the the character of both teams showed up. the The way that Rutgers struggles um, showed up, especially on offense. And Penn State, you know, really took care of business. Just a, a weird a weird start to the game, especially with that kick return. You know, back and forth and and that kind of thing. But uh, but I think Penn State. I think you come out of it as we discussed. You know, feeling just as good about this team going forward. And I, I think just three games in a row now of just taking care of business. And that's how I would characterize this game too. You take care of business. It doesn't all have to go perfect. You play 60 minutes for a reason. You can throw the first seven out if you if you like. I think what we saw for three quarters plus is, is what we can kind of continue to expect from Penn State. And, 
you know, I think there, there were times where, and I picked Penn State to lose at home to Michigan State for their, their third loss. So far, I'm, I'm a perfect 11-0 picking who's going to win Penn State's games preseason. Uh, but I, I feel better and better about this Michigan State game, especially seeing them, you know, give up 39 and lose in, in overtime to Indiana this past weekend. Yeah, I'm not sure if that Michigan State team hasn't just packed it in. And I believe it was you and I, if not, I know I had this conversation with one of the other guys. Michigan State, to me, was one of those toss-up games. And the toss-up was going to be more about which Michigan State were you going to see. The one who's already packed it in by this point, or the one that's looking for 10 or 11 wins like they were a year ago. I guess we got the answer to that question. Let's not get ahead of ourselves, though. Let's get back to this Rutgers game. Specifically, let's talk about the defense at Penn State. It's been the constant. It's the part that dominated here. And it was funny, very early in the game, when Rutgers did a couple nice things, um, I saw on some of the message boards, oh, my God, why are we sending people? Why are we doing the exotic blitzes? Why, why, why? We're giving up too much. And in at in the end of the day, the points that Rutgers score were one, the field goal came after a short punt, a bad punt by Barney Amore, which we'll get to later. And the other one was the long kickoff return, another short field where Rutgers scored the touchdown. Other than that, it was complete dominance again for this Penn State defense, Dusty. Yeah, and, and you you sort of expected, you know, I, I think we talked about this Rutgers team just being, you know, a gritty group and they play hard for Greg Schiano, but they're just very limited in the talent and the ability that they have. So Penn State has a much better body pretty much at all 22 positions that, that you'll see on a football field. And so that eventually carried through. And yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. They special teams, you know, situations allowed Rutgers to not only get favorable field position, but to kind of have a, a little bit of confidence early. And then, you know, the early part of a game is always kind of a crapshoot just based on what was on film and what they're doing that you didn't expect and how you adjust to it. Pensy did not take long to adjust to what Rutgers was doing and, and eventually just kind of swarmed them as they did Indiana and Maryland. So I, you know, I think you just have to withhold judgment. I know that's a tough thing to ask for uh, college football fans. Sometimes you just have to, but that's the, that's the defense that, that Manny Diaz is running. You know, I saw um, uh, Urban Meyer and Jerry DiNardo talking about this Penn state defense. And, you know, we've talked about it in this respect a few times where, you know, Manny Diaz is going to bring pressure a lot. Uh, sometimes he's going to trust his front four. He's going to ask those guys to do it, but he's bringing it up the middle and uh, and from either side of the field. And Urban Meyer basically pointed out that it's like basically a third, a third, a third. When they send an extra body or two, it's uh, whether it's coming from the left, right, or center. And so eventually, that's just really tough for any offense to to handle, especially when there's so much speed and athleticism and aggression um, with this Penn State defense. Eventually, you know, he 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 was a st- step ahead uh, of Rutgers, several steps ahead of Rutgers and the limitations of their quarterback, uh, the limitations of their offensive line just kind of showed. And, you know, everybody got a little piece of the action, which has been, you know, part of the theme of this defense too. just a bunch of guys, um, 11 players with at least half a tackle for loss. So, you know, that's been the really cool part of this defense. And yeah, and yeah, when things aren't working out early, you can, you can grumble about it, but you know, 
when, when everybody gets involved throughout the game and, and everybody's kind of part of the party, it's just, it's just a fun defense to watch. It really is, Dustin. And I'd like to talk about specifically two plays that occurred. And I took note of these watching film, which just shows you between Ross and Coach Caduti and T. Frank, I'm trying to learn, okay? So I watch the replays, and I try to stop, pause, see what's happening when they have these big plays. And I'd like to bring up two of them and then get your comment on them. There was one play, wasn't necessarily talked about a lot, but in it, Curtis Jacobs blitzed. He came in, rushed the quarterback who made the throw. I'm not sure if it was a receiver or running back. I think it was a receiver made the catch out in the flat. Amin Vanover, the defensive end, he had backed out, went into coverage, and made the tackle for a loss. So here you already have that situation where multiple guys, more than four, are up on the line of scrimmage. Linebacker comes in, lineman, defensive end, drops back into coverage, makes the play. No, he didn't bat a pass down or an interception, but it was still a tackle for a loss after the quarterback was was desperate, dumping the ball off. The other one is the more memorable play, which was Jair Brown's scoop and score. And again, it was Curtis Jacobs who had the hit. They were showing a seven-man front with two defensive ends, Zane Durant, a defensive tackle, one cornerback, uh, Daquan Hardy, one safety, Jair Brown, and two linebackers, Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter. So, okay, you got the picture. There's seven of them. Who did the offensive linemen block? That's a tough decision. You probably take those linemen, including the defensive ends and the tackles, first. If you did, you made a mistake <laughs> because both <laughs> defensive ends, which were Chop Robinson and Adisa Isaac, they both dropped back in coverage. So you actually only brought five guys, but it was a jailbreak. There were multiple people there. Jacobs gets the hit. Jair Brown picks up the ball, goes 70 yards. I'm nominating Manny Diaz for most valuable player, coach, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, It was wonderful to see, and I'm so happy I have the pause button on my TV, Dusty. I, I think Gavin Wimsat probably wished he had the pause button in real life to try to figure out what the heck was going on, and it all feeds into it. You know, when you show the willingness to bring corners, linebackers, safeties, whatever, uh, when you show the the willingness to, to bring them off either edge uh, or run some kind of um, blitz up the middle – now you bring everybody up to the line, you know, really anything and everything is on the table for the quarterback. So you, you couple the tendency with the willingness to go, to go through with it, with the athleticism of Penn state's defensive ends. And you have a really good combination now where you can't really anticipate anything, especially an inexperienced quarterback. So you are creating just mountains of confusion there. And probably the last thing that the quarterback is going to concern himself with is the defensive ends dropping back into coverage because that's the least threatening thing. So now you just create a whole nother combination of things and, and it happens in this game with some success and then it's on film. So it's like, 
you know, when, when Manny Diaz brings seven or eight guys up, really all bets are off as far as what's going to happen and what you have to prepare for and how you slide protection. There's just not a lot of really good ways to combat that. And it's part of what Manny Diaz is doing. It's part of the personnel that he's got. Uh, when so many guys are making plays, there is a threat from everywhere on the field. And it's hard to neutralize whenever you are doing some, you know, illusion type stuff at the line like that. And by the way, you know, you talk about Manny Diaz being the most valuable person or whatever from this game, you had high expectations and you loved the hire. How much better has Manny Diaz been in your eyes in real life than what you were expecting? He's been, I believe, incredible. Like I said, he's got me pausing my TV to watch all these plays and I get it. He's got some wonderful players to work with, some tremendous athletes. And we're going to talk about the individuals a little more, specifically about these linebackers, starting with number 11. He's got fantastic pieces to work with, but what he does with them is so creative, so much fun to watch, as you pointed out, Dusty. I want to see more. That is it, though, for quarter number one. We're going to keep talking about the defense in quarter number two. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. And welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number two. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. We're talking about Penn State's big 55-10 win over Rutgers on Saturday. More specifically, we're talking defense. 
And Dustin, I'm going to get even more specific of that than that. Remember when the season started, the question marks we had at linebacker? Do you remember that? It, it it seems like a like a distant memory, but absolutely. You know, you're replacing two guys who played a lot and you're replacing, you know, some impact guys and there's production that's not there. And you're you're going to need somebody who's never done the job before to play at a pretty high level, um, to say the very least. So I don't think those questions were unfounded, but I think those questions have been answered, you know, more than emphatically by the personnel and by the coaching of, of that of that side of the ball. It really has. And we found a star among that group. Abdul Carter just seems like he keeps getting better and better every game. What impresses me, Dustin, is not only how fast he is, but when he makes that decision to go to the quarterback, it's it's a quick decision and it's like he shot out of a cannon. Yeah, he's like, uh, like if you were, you know, putting together a player, you like take two parts Brandon Smith and two parts Micah Parsons, and now you have Abdul Carter. You know, I think, I think the length and the build are more Brandon Smith like, but in terms of you know the way that he plays, like he plays with physicality, and both of those guys, you know, do and and did, but. When he um, sees and diagnoses, he has the speed for sure. But, you know, he does. It does remind me a bit of Micah Parsons because there's a certain level of, you know, hunger and unwillingness to be denied in that situation. And so like the the shot out of a cannon thing, um, you know, it's decisive and it's just like a a big desire that he clearly has to make a play. And I don't know. I mean, you look back at, at his true freshman year to this point, and I don't really know that I've I've spotted. I'm I'm certain if we slowed down the film and had the had the full field view, like times where Abdul Carter was out of position or he misstepped or he made a mistake or whatever. But there just hasn't been a lot of occasions where he's looked like a freshman as far as the downside. Um, and more often, you're just seeing that physical ability just win the day. And like I said, I I just feel like. Um, he plays with a lot of desire too. And, and when he, you combine that with the speed, you know, when he recognizes an opening, he bursts through it and, and almost always seems to make the play. And it seems like the coaches have him in the position to make plays more and more. It's as if, okay, we have this tool. How do we best use it? And these last several games, they've been using them very, very well. But the other part, I don't want to let Abdul Carter overshadow everybody else. Curtis Jacobs back on the field being pretty special. The middle linebacker, remember, even as the season started, we were not so sure about Kobe King and Tyler Elsden. They seem to be getting better game to game. And then you have Dominic DeLuca come in, and we said, well, he's that walk-on who looked good in the spring game, right? He's making yeah. plays, Dusty. So it's not just one guy or two guys stars. Dare I say there's some depth? Just like that, it seems. I mean, um, you know, Abdul Carter surges. You know, we're, we had this conversation uh, before Minnesota, or I guess after Minnesota, when he, he starts the game because they're a run team. But it was also just the another step towards just getting Abdul Carter more involved in the defense. So now we've seen over the past two or three weeks – Kobe King, 
you know, start to play a bit more and start to make his presence felt a bit more. Certainly none more so than this game when he returns a, a fumble for a touchdown. Leads the team, I think, the second a second week in a row that he's led the team uh, in tackles. Uh, Tyler Ellison got a tackle for loss in this game and, and found a way to make an impact. So when you put those two inside linebackers, you know, in conjunction, they they were two young guys to start the year. They both grown and matured. I still really like Kobe King and, um, you know, I think that he's a better answer long term, but they, they're working well together and they have depth there that they can spell each other. And that's a good thing. I think Dominic DeLuca, like, I don't think there's anything fluky about the way that we've seen him play like this is a quick smart kid and I, it just seemed like I, I wasn't all that familiar with his recruiting story where he um he suffered a knee injury and he played through it in the state championship game um you know I, I think Penn State might have really lucked out with trying to with with getting him on board uh and and he's not just a throwaway piece anymore maybe he's a maybe he's a lifetime backup but clearly he's a backup who who can do the job when, when he's in there. So, yeah, I think not only, you know, has Penn State answered the question, you know, about, oh, who's going to start? Are they going to be good enough? Now they've answered, a, probably, I think, a much bigger question about, okay, who's who are the next three up? Uh, Penn State really has, has developed well at this linebacker spot, and there's no reason to think that uh, it's going to slow down. I think, you know, you led off with Curtis Jacobs, who is, is their best linebacker still. He proved it again in this game. You know, coming back and just making an impact, doing things that maybe he only he can do from that group. And so many players on defense. You mentioned uh, Kobe King, and he did lead the team in tackles. He only played 18 snaps, Dusty. Okay. So Found the Tyler ball. Elston Clearly. Actually, yes. So there, there's so much depth there that it makes you feel good about this unit. They were able to survive Curtis Jacobs being out for a while. Um, so they're just so much depth and so many young players now on that defense who are making their mark. I think we forget a lot about Zane Durant because tackles kind of get lost in the shuffle. They occupy people. They don't get the sacks, but he's been a major part of that rotation as a true freshman. I know Chop Robinson's not a freshman. He came over from Maryland, but another first-year guy. And you're seeing even like a K.J. Winston comes in, and boy, does he make a hit when he tackles a player. Yeah, and and it all just points to um, added optimism about where the program is going. Like you knew that this freshman class was probably going to be asked to do a little bit more than your typical freshman class, just based on where the roster was. Uh, and then even KJ Winston, like not really at at the forefront here, but when he has been, he's had his number called. Like you walk away thinking, man, he's going to be a player too. Um, but Zane Durant, you know, like I, it was just funny to me that Zane, uh, that James Franklin, I think it was last week saying, well, oh, people weren't talking about it enough. Well, you know what? He's a true freshman um, who burned his red shirt at defensive tackle like that. We've been talking about him plenty from from the get go. Uh, it's just that he hasn't accumulated any numbers to this point. But there was one play in this game where um, a play went to the right. And you saw Abdul Carter and Zane Durant kind of like get a, about an equal jump from the same spot on the field. Abdul Carter won the race, but it wasn't a blowout, you know, to, so, so to see Zane Durant, you know, running almost stride for stride with Abdul Carter kind of shows you, you know, what he's capable of doing. And we've seen that over the past few weeks. So like, you know, all these young guys uh, ha- have come very, very far. 
um, through through 11 games. And I think that that's just been huge. You talk about a building block for the future, having guys who have ability, having guys who are mature enough to make them part of your plans in year one. Both of those things are great. But then having those guys get really, really meaningful reps and game experience in year one will make them that much more integral in the defense moving forward, too, on, on, on both sides of the ball. You can make the case for, obviously, the running backs and some others, too. You know, these young guys and the commitment that the coaching staff has made to play them, you know, I think it's uh, that's up to 10 who have burnt their red shirt so far with Drew Shelton on Saturday. You know, th- this is something that can change the program for the better and makes you feel pretty good. Like, I'm really, really high on this team in 2023, and this is a big part of it, all these young guys getting time. I am definitely high on this defense, Dustin. James Franklin, he set the terminology a couple years ago with the word elite. I feel this defense has reached that point that it's elite this year, and I anticipate it to be elite again next year. Now let's get to the other side of the ball, and there are some positions that are elite, but this offense, it, it stumbled through. It never really seemed to get much rhythm, and it was interesting on the uh, TV with the announcers, they talked about, well, the defense scored twice, special teams once. I'll kind of give the defense credit for a third touchdown. After that interception, they set up you know, the short field, and they really should have had the touchdown. It, it, you know, the penalty really wasn't a factor in the return. So going back to this offense, without those running backs doing some special things, this offense struggled a bit, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it did, and and I think it's just I, I can't really put my finger on, on what it is. Um, I don't really think... I can't really recall any truly horrid throws or anything. You know, I think guys maybe weren't getting open all that much. And, you know, this is something worth watching going forward because we've heard a lot about Parker Washington and whether he is or isn't out for the remainder of the year, whether he's, you know, we don't know whether he's coming back uh, for 2023. So watching these wide receivers play is, is kind of an important thing as, as you go through the last game of the season and into the bowl game. And, you know, I think early returns weren't all that great. Uh, they made plays when they had to. Uh, it's worth, you know, defining your offense. If you're going to define it around your running game, these two guys, you know, Nick Singleton and Kate Trout are worth defining your offense around them. So if the rest of the offense struggles, but these guys are are consistently making gains and making big plays, then I think you can live with that, especially in a game like this. I do, I do think there's just going to be, you know, obviously more of a need against better teams to make more timely throws and, uh, you know, to do a little more damage in the passing game. But what they had uh, at Rutgers was just plenty as, as it turns out, even without playing their, their a plus game. You know, I think uh, Bob Flounders gave him a B minus. I think that that might even be generous a little bit uh, for what they did. So, it, to me, it's kind of it's kind of a positive that you don't have to be perfect or that fine on offense whenever you have a defined asset. You know, this is one thing that we've kind of complained about. It's like, okay, what is your go-to? What is your identity? What are you trying to achieve when the when the going gets tough? When it's short yardage, what are you leaning on? Do you have a set of things that you know and believe in? And now I think for the first time in a while, Penn State has something that when the going gets tough, that they have something they, they can believe in, which is, you know, as, as it turns out, this T formation and these two running backs. 
and these two running backs, just to hit on it, they were a combined 20 carries for 179 yards. And even if they get stopped early in a game, you know there's going to be a point where they're going to make some plays for you. And for Nick Singleton, that 179 yards obviously doesn't include the 100-yard kickoff return, which, by the way, one of the key blocks in that return, Catron Allen, the other running back. So that was really fun to see. We're going to keep talking about the offense when we come back in quarter number three. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. We specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at techresults.com. That's T-E-K results.com. Or give us a call at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show, brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. I'm Jim Galante, along with Dustin Hawkinsmith, and it's quarter number three, brought to you by GoPSURV.com. There's one home game left, the final game against Michigan State. Now, if you're still looking for a great way to spend the weekend in Happy Valley, go to GoPSURV.com. This is where they have the RV lot with an RV there ready and waiting for you. You just drive your own car there. The RV's set up and ready. They'll even take you back and forth to the game. You get to spend the whole weekend there. A fun way to do it. Highly recommend it. And if you want more information, give Mark a call at 800-519-8467. Make sure you tell him you want the KSN RV special, and that means you get $500 off. It's a great deal. All right, Dustin, we were talking about this Penn State offense against Rutgers. They stumbled a bit. 
counted on the running game. They were missing Parker Washington. And before we get into the wide receivers and the details there, I just want to bring up again, James Franklin has this policy. He's not going to tell us why a player is not playing. I think he could get away with, he doesn't have to get into details of it, but could he at least say, hey, it's injury related. Instead, what you have is national TV saying Parker Washington's not playing for an undisclosed reason. That just makes everybody's imagination run wild. They think, and when it's a non-injury issue, it's always something bad. It gives that impression, and I really don't like that, and I don't think the injured players deserve that. So my takeaway was Parker Washington either hurt himself or he killed a guy this week. I, I couldn't decide which it was, uh, why he wasn't present in this game. Uh, I had heard the rumors and stuff, but I, I agree with you. I, I, I get it. I understand the basis for it. And this is just like the, the Wild West with um, – you know, college coaches with depth charts and injury designations. What you have in the NFL is a, a pretty clear list of protocols that teams have to follow. You don't have any protocols like that. So teams are all different in terms of what they say and don't say, you know, and I've, I've gotten used to it at this point, but it's, you know, like it got him into a little bit of trouble with Joey Porter Jr. who had appendicitis and uh, he didn't really say what that was. And then he came back the next week and said, well, it's been misreported what's going on. Well, it's been misreported, I, I guess. Somebody, I guess somebody reported it, uh, or maybe it's just been discussed about on Twitter. That's there's a two different things in case people don't know. Um, but you know, it just it just creates a lot of opening to use your imagination, and sometimes it's just not the best thing. So after this game, when it comes to Parker Washington, he said, you know, it would be Tuesday at least until there would be anything more. So maybe they have to get together and figure out timelines or whatever. So I expect in the early part of the week, we'll hear more about Parker Washington, but likely only if he's not going to play for the remainder of the year. If there's a shot, he comes back, then maybe we don't learn that much. But again, what's the harm in just, it's now reached the point where it's not a competitive issue. Rutgers knows he's, he wasn't on the bus. If all you had to do was read and you could find out that he wasn't there in uniform. How about just saying, and, and apparently from everything we've been hearing, it is injury related, but I don't know for sure. Like you said, he's either hurt or killed somebody. So, <laughs> I'm, that's hilarious, by the way. Um, so let, let, let's move on. Let's get back to the game. It's just a little pet peeve of mine, Dusty, with him. Yeah. And by the way, when he brought up about Joey Porter last week and told us what was going on, my comment about that was he never, ever, 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 ever talks about this stuff unless he does. That, yeah. That's what we deal with again. Let's get to those receivers. And, and again, with multiple tight ends, there was a lot of uh, plays where it was multiple tight ends, not as many receivers. But it's an indicator, not just what's going on this year, but conceivably next year. Some of these younger receivers are going to have to step up. Did you see anything in this game, Amari Evans, Trey Wallace, Liam Clifford, that makes you feel confident in the next generation of wide receiver? Well, I think um, Trey Wallace is the as the first candidate on my list. We've seen him, his role grow a little bit. I think we've seen him as a player grow a little bit. He's got 
the athleticism and he's got the leaping ability. He's got the the physical tools to do it. And to see him get more involved as the year goes on um, has been encouraging for sure. You know, Keandre Lambert Smith, he's done it a couple years. You know, we saw him play a, a big role last season, but his role hasn't hasn't grown this year. Uh, Omari Evans, for him to be uh, come from a place where he was a three-star kid out of Texas, for him to be playing as a true freshman is encouraging. You've got Caden Saunders, who uh, is redshirting this year. You've got Liam Clifford, who seems to have a nice rapport with uh, with Drew Aller. Uh, so there's a there's a bunch of different candidates, but you know it's like just because a player has never played that role before, just because Harrison Wallace has never been a number one, it doesn't mean that he can't. It just means that you know come winter and spring, we're going to be discussing this if Parker Washington doesn't come back. But if he if he were to be out for the season, we don't know that. If he were to be out for the season, there'd be a lot of practice reps and, and a, a very different vibe in terms of um, having roles that are now up for grabs. You know, a, a new sort of jockeying for position through the end of the regular season and then more importantly, through all the practice that is available to them in the run-up to the bowl game. So I think they would be a head start if, if that were the case and you'd be able to, you know, really get more information and, and as coaches really be able to evaluate guys for for new roles. But I do think, um, you know, regardless, if Parker Washington exits early for the NFL, whatever the case might be, uh, I do think the transfer portal is a possibility to get another veteran in there to, to play a role. All right, Dustin, let's take a look at that offensive line. Drew Shelton burned his red shirt. To me, that was the right answer. It really was, especially because we can see him starting. If he starts Michigan State in the bowl game, that'll be like seven starts for him, I believe, which is great experience. And if you're starting as a true freshman, even if it's in replacement for an injured player, you're not going to be around for five years anyway. Dustin, it's just not going to happen. We did see a couple the growing pains with him, especially early in the game. But overall, you know, it was nice to see him play. But they also had to shuffle some other folks, meaning they didn't want to go to J.B. Nelson because there's concern about his red shirt. Uh, they didn't want to go to Yoane and risk burning his red shirt also. So they ended up playing four guys on the offensive line played every snap. And it was only Bryce Effner who was spelled by, I believe it was Jimmy Christ for a few downs. So that's putting a big load on this guy at uh, this crew also. Yeah. A crew that, you know, wasn't the, the crew to start the year. And by the way, you know, a little bit of history was made with Drew Shelton in this game. Uh, he burned his red shirt and on a few of these downs, a red shirt from Rutgers burned him. So yeah, you had a two way burning in this game for Drew Shelton, but it, you know, it's all good reps for him. And there's, there's nothing to suggest that, you know, I, I think sometimes you need a few mistakes to really grow from, from that. And all in all, I mean, this group, considering how patchwork it is, considering to your point, you know, bigger objectives than just a one, a one week basis with the, with the red shirts, this was, you know, a pretty good showing from them. There, there wasn't a lot of incident, especially from quarters two through four, you know, Rutgers has Rutgers has a few dudes on defense, Avery young and Aaron Lewis. Like they've got some, um, they've got some guys who can pressure and, 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 uh, and challenge you. And they did in the early part of this game. But for the most part, anytime you're running for, 
whatever they ran for six and 6.6 yards per carry or whatever on the ground. I know they didn't really get the job done through the air so much, but you know, the offense, they, they scored 55 points. So this group, uh, how shorthanded they were, uh, has played really, really well. And I just can't help but think, you know, in previous years, if you were to lose the entire left side of an offensive line, how many other versions of Penn State's offensive line would be able to make up for that in a way that's in any way acceptable? So I think that is all good. Um, in the end, you know, just source of growth for a guy that clearly you feel highly about in Drew Shelton. Uh, my expectation is that is that we'll see him again next week and we'll see him in the bowl game, uh, you know, between Olu Fashanu and Joey Porter Jr. And, and even maybe Parker Washington. It's an interesting time to be making decisions uh, if you're not 100 percent and you're considering the NFL uh, or do you come back at all? So um, you might see the same version of the offensive line keep going forward. And uh, I, I think it's been OK. You know, it's been it's been surprisingly OK. And remember, this team got burned in a bowl game recently with players not being there and freshmen not wanting to burn their red shirt. I think J.B. Nelson is still at three games. So if he doesn't play against Michigan State, he can play in the bowl game. Ioane has played in only two games. So with two left, he's open to be used. So I, I give credit to the coaching staff. I think they managed this pretty well. We were kind of expecting Caden Wallace back. I believe the talk was he did warm up with the team, was in uniform, traveled with him, obviously. But we'll, we'll see how that goes against Michigan State and then the bowl game. The other guy you talked about just getting experience out there. Drew Aller did get some real time out there. And it was interesting to me. He showed a bit of mobility, which I thought was great. But then they actually ran him multiple times down near the goal line where he was going to take several hits, but they were willing to do that. Yeah, I think it just feels a little bit different, you know, when you when your guy's 6'5", 240, and you're out working out on the edge, you know, you don't really have the same level of concern about Drew Aller taking hits from a safety or cornerback or even a linebacker um, in that situation, as you do with, say, Sean Clifford getting exposed to, to injury, uh, you know, Owen Papo from Auburn, for example. So, yeah, I think it's a, it's a different type of weapon, I think. And this is, wasn't, wasn't something I thought of that much until we saw Penn State use him in this capacity uh, this past weekend. But when, when you're at third and short or third and goal from the two or whatever, it's a whole nother layer to how they might be able to finish drives. And it's such a big weapon to see. Nobody's going to confuse him. I know James Franklin made a joke about calling him Lamar Aller after the game, but nobody's going to confuse him with Justin Fields or, or anybody like that. But you know, when, when it's hard to bring him down and you need a yard or two, I think he showed that he can get that yard or two. And it's just another tool at his disposal. You know, we've seen some good stuff. We've seen some shaky stuff uh, from a freshman. It's not all positive, but I think the positive development in this one was him working as, as a runner and looking pretty comfortable doing it. He did. And by calling some of those plays, Dustin, I believe it's not just throwing the ball where you kind of need that experience in a live game. I think also by running the ball, you start to realize, as you mentioned earlier, the other side, no matter who it is, they have some dudes also. So it's not like running in high school. He's not going to outrun people. He needs to learn, you know, sometimes you need to take what they give you and not try to do too much. That's it for quarter number three. We got lots more to talk about in quarter four. We're going to talk about bigger picture then. 
Stay tuned for that. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands as well as weekly experimental recipes. New Trail Broken Heels is Pennsylvania's favorite local hazy IPA. This beer is smooth and full-bodied. Hand-selected citra hops lead to notes of bright clementine and juicy ruby red grapefruit. Broken Heels is perfect for a pregame tailgate all the way through the victory celebration. It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSU RV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSU RV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results, located right here in State College. Whether it's workstation, server and network installation, problem solving and maintenance, security assessments, or general evaluations, we are your complete IT partner. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results.com. Or call us at 814-206-0000. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. Brought to you by New Trail Brewing Company. New Trail beers are brewed right here in central Pennsylvania and delivered fresh and cold to your favorite retailers every week. When you're in Happy Valley, be sure to find New Trail at WR Hickey and other craft beer retailers. Welcome back to the Keystone Kickoff Show. It's quarter number four. I'm Jim Galante along with Dustin Hawkinsmith. And Dustin, this quarter, you and I talked about this a little bit. We kind of want to look at the bigger picture of college football and where Penn State fits into all of that, which hopefully this year means a nice bowl game for them. And if it does, you and I may be traveling again, Dusty. Just maybe nothing ni- to- Maybe nice for all of us. Maybe. Just just might be, Dustin, nothing definitive yet, but our friends at Collegiate Athletic Travel, they're going to see where Penn State's traveling to, and it just might be you and I traveling again, and if that's the case, of course, we'll want you to join us, but just stay tuned over the next couple weeks. We will keep you up to date as more information pours in. So, Dustin, let's do it. Let's take a look at the big picture. It was, first of all, in all of college football, it was kind of an interesting weekend. All the top teams, even Georgia, um, had a bit of a struggle before putting Kentucky away. And then you had Michigan just sneaking by uh, with the help of some officials. Um, Again, I'm not a conspiracy guy, Dustin, so I'm sure it was merely coincidence that late in this game, Michigan got a couple calls this their way, even with the replay official, because you know there's no no one's trying to set up a Michigan 
Ohio State undefeated game, right? Yeah, no, and I don't think you need to be wearing a tinfoil hat to see the, to see that one coming. You know, the, the everybody wants a high stakes Michigan Ohio State game. Michigan's the brand that gets you know there. It's like calling a foul on Jordan. You know, like that some, some teams, some programs, especially when they're unbeaten and a top, in the top three, they're just getting preferential treatment, and they certainly did at the end of this game. They they really did, but um, they escaped. Ohio State escaped. TCU escaped. Tennessee did not escape. South Carolina showed you how to do it by blowing out Tennessee. But one of the things that it brings to mind, though, is when we see Maryland gave Ohio State all they could handle. They did the same thing with Michigan, if you remember, earlier in the year. So as Penn State fans, when we say, gee, these 9 or 10 wins don't mean anything, I actually think they do. And beating the teams you should be and doing it soundly does mean something. And I do think it is establishing where Penn State fits in the pecking order on a national basis. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I, there, there's nobody in America that can just take 10 wins to the bank and can say these 10 wins don't mean anything because we lost the, the two most important ones. I understand the sting in that. I understand the desire to see growth and desire to get into that college football playoff picture. But, you know, coming off two seasons where they won 11 and 11 combined, if you can win 10 or 11 games in 2022, there's just no way that that's not a win. And, to your point, just, you know, teams are, are going to, you know, they're going to peak. They're going to valley. You're going to get a team's a game one week. And it's important to be able to find ways to win. And a bunch of teams had to dig deep in order to do that down the stretch. You know, I think you see pressure start to ramp up a little bit in the, in these last couple of weeks, you, you see, you know, teams kind of playing like they've got nothing to lose. So yeah, you have to be able to survive in advance at least a couple times a year. Maryland did challenge Michigan. They did challenge Ohio State. And I think by the transitive property, that makes Penn State the best team in the league, right? <laughs> they had the easiest time with Maryland. So I, if my math is correct, they're the number one team in the Big Ten. No. <laughs> okay, but they my are math is clearly, incorrect. I yeah. believe they're clearly number three which is not a terrible place to be when you have an Ohio State and a Michigan. And also when you have in a national level where Michigan and Ohio State fit on that national level, probably only behind Georgia. I know TCU is still there undefeated and one of Ohio State and Michigan is going to lose, but you have that established group at the very top Where does Penn State now fit into this pecking order this year, Dustin? And I'll ask you that if this if there were that 12 game playoff uh, championship instead of four teams, where would Penn State fit in? Well, I mean, as of right now, they'd be in win next weekend and they'd, they'd be in. Uh, if there were a 12 team playoff and, you know, it's, it's a position that they've been in pretty consistently. Like they, they've, they struggled the past two years, but Penn state has been a top 12 program, you know, in a macro sense. And on a year to year basis, they've been top 12. Now the way that things are sorting out, you have got Georgia who I think is far and away the best team in America. Um, Ohio state and Michigan, one of those teams will lose once. It'll be really interesting now with seeing USC knock on the doorstep and having them sit at 10 and one and, and have that little bit of excitement level and some brand recognition of their own, you know, would a one loss Michigan 
still be in the college football playoff picture. I'm not sure. TCU still has work to do in order to finish off their, their run to a big 12 title. But then after those four or five teams, you know, I'm just going to rattle off, you know, some of these programs, but a bunch of them are, are, are nine and two. So LSU's nine and two Clemson, Alabama's nine and two, Tennessee, Oregon, Penn state, Washington, uh, Notre Dame and Utah are both eight and three and, and Notre Dame's kind of on the upswing. All those teams, I just feel like there's a group of about, of about 10 this year that if you were to play any matchup between those 10 on a neutral field, it'd be, it'd be pretty close to a pick em kind of game. Penn State is in that tier and they've been in that tier a bunch. So it's a, fam- it's familiar territory for them. And I think it's probably it should be considered refreshing to be back there considering, you know, after the way the last two years have gone, you couldn't take that for granted. So now here they are, and there's good reason to believe that it's kind of just the beginning. So they're, uh, they're in that college football playoff conversation. If 12 teams got in, they would be in today. I do think uh, not for nothing that in a world where a 12 team playoff exists, I think you're going to see the power structure. You're going to, you're just going to see some more parity. You know, this four team system help feed the parity and help feed the fact that three or four teams were the only teams every single year that were getting in. I think once we get to 12 teams, it's going to change the perception level and it's going to change the idea that if you're a five-star recruit, you have to go to one of these three teams if you want to play in the playoff every single year. Now I think that dynamic changes a little bit and Penn State is one of those programs that maybe can capitalize the most. And Dustin, that change is already starting to occur before the 12-team playoff came in. We've seen Alabama showing they're human. Clemson has shown they're human. Now, if we look at the playoffs, though, and we say Georgia, the winner of Ohio State, Michigan. Now, the loser of Ohio State, Michigan, does TCU stay undefeated? No guarantee there. I think they lose. They drop out. USC has to win out to be a possibility. If either of those teams falter, you could see that loser of Michigan, Ohio State, also getting into the playoffs. I thought that uh, team would have been Tennessee. And until this weekend, it would have been them, right? I I think so. I mean, considering that uh, it's only been a couple weeks since they were the number one team in America, you know, their offensive metrics, the way that they beat Alabama, the way that they, you know, blew out a top 20 Kentucky team, uh, you know, their, their one loss was, was a tough Georgia team on the road, but yeah, giving up 63 and losing at South Carolina definitely falls into the category of laying an egg. And that, if that's your second loss, you know, we saw Penn State's second loss be a blowout to to Michigan, and that was enough to keep them out. So, yeah, I think Tennessee's out. Um, you're going to have probably at least one or two extra one-loss teams that do not get in. So I think these two-loss teams, it's been about the only factor you can count on is having a second loss is generally a disqualifier. It, it generally is. Now, you have LSU's going to have an opportunity by playing Georgia in the Southeast Conference Championship game. If they could win that game against a Georgia, and we know Georgia's going to be in whether they win or lose that game. Will that affect how they play? So it, that will still be interesting. Let me ask you this question because I've heard both sides of this argument. Would this all be even more interesting with 12 teams? Or would it take some of the excitement out of the regular season because those four spots are so precious? 
Well, I mean, it depends who you are. So if you're if you're a fan of Georgia or Ohio State or somebody like that, uh, you know, where you know what the what the marching orders are to make the playoff. Okay, no. But like for a Penn State fan right now, if it's a 12 team playoff and you're sitting at number 11 in the playoff rankings, it will make everything a lot more exciting, don't you think? So I think it maybe depends on what fan base you're, you're rooting for in general. I think it does kind of it lessens the magnitude, uh, you know, especially of a, a weekend like this one, where you had four or five teams really have to limp to the finish line. Um, it lessens the magnitude if you know they can afford a loss and still get in. So, like, if Michigan loses to Illinois, they're still in a twelve-team playoff. So, any anybody who's a neutral fan, you know, it does kind of lower the magnitude a little bit. But in general, I think all that stuff kind of evens out because if you're the four, number 14 team right now, everything is exciting because you have a shot to get in. You have angles to get in. It just transfers the conversation a little bit. It does, you know, I've never really been sold on the, you know, how special a regular season is for not expanding a playoff. Uh, I don't really think that's grounds to to not do something. But uh, but I, I, I get it. Like, I think there there's just some, you know, lose you know win or die type scenarios aren't really on the table quite as much but i don't i don't really care so much about that well see i always feel like yes it's potential that tcu is playing for their playoff life over the weekend and they they won it made that game more exciting but that was one game how many more games would be crucial with all the Alabama, Tennessee, LSU, Alabama, Clemson, Utah, Oregon, Penn State, all of them would be playing in those win-or-die games. You win or you're not going to make the playoffs. Last question for you, Dusty. Seeing this lay of the land, we know it's still going to be 14 playoff next year, and we're projecting. Where does Penn State fit in that scenario going into next year? I, I think they can be there. You know, I, I think, to me... Uh, it would probably be their best possible chance. I, I get, you know, not having a veteran quarterback is a strike against them, but you feel good about Drew Aller, obviously. Uh, I think if if that possibility is strong enough that Curtis Jacobs and Parker Washington and some guys like that decide to come back for another year, even down to like Bryce Eppner and Drew, Drew Scruggs, if everybody kind of recognizes that and it brings some of these key veterans back, uh, I think Penn State has the explosiveness, the athleticism, the overall talent, uh, and and the youth that has grown. I feel like they've got a shot. I think they're going to be as close to Ohio State as they've as they've ever been, especially if CJ Stroud leaves. And I'm sure he will. And then you've got those again another season where you've got those two big games. All right, Dustin, that's it for the show. Thank you all for listening. Make sure you join us next time on the Keystone Kickoff Show. New Trail Brewing Company proudly crafts their beers right here in central Pennsylvania. Brewed with only the best possible ingredients, New Trail produces a variety of year-round brands, as well as weekly experimental recipes. And next time you're watching the game with friends or by the campfire, pick up the New Trail Hoppy Variety Pack. New Trail's Hoppy Pack is an absolute crowd pleaser. Packed with four different hoppy beers, it's sure to please everyone. 
It's that time again for football and tailgating, and no better way than with Go PSURV. Drive your vehicle to Happy Valley and have an RV set up and waiting for you. And this year, KSN is teaming up with Go PSURV to offer a special deal. Be the first to reserve the KSN special for the Ohio, Central Michigan, Northwestern, Maryland, or Michigan State game, and you'll get $500 off your RV. Call Mark at 800-519-8467 and tell him you want the KSN RV special. StateCollege.com is your one-stop source for news, sports, opinion, entertainment, and community events. Over a decade of experience covering the Nittany Lions from reporter Ben Jones. Lively commentary from columnist Mike Porman and others. Local perspective, local expertise, local information from Penn State's hometown website, StateCollege.com. Trust StateCollege.com for daily coverage of the school, team, and place you love. We are Tech Results. Located right here in State College, we specialize in providing assistance with many third-party software suites. Our clients include doctor's offices, lawyers, construction companies, and even hairdressers. We provide help with their industry-specific software. Learn more at TechResults.com. That's T-E-K Results. Dot com or give us a call at 814-206-0000.